At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. Your local, the everything you need to be unstoppable store. The UPS store. Be unstoppable. The UPS store locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours may vary. See center for details. Homegrown Radio, Chuck Dizzle, DJ Head. West Coast. This is not not easy uh, by a long shot. Um, first and foremost, let me just go on to say uh, rest in peace to the homegrown homie Nipsey Hussle, um, who was unfortunately shot in front of the Marathon store of all places and passed away uh, a few days back. Um, and in the building with us right now, we got some people that you've heard on the podcast before. Um, and we just wanted to bring him back, man, just to talk some L.A. shit. And this is probably, we'll end up, no, probably about it. It will be an emotional show. Uh, but we got to definitely represent for, for the homegrown homie Nipsey Hussle. We got uh, Brian Salas, who is, you know, you've seen him around. He's the manager to myself and DJ Head. Um, and just a, a staple in this L.A. shit. Um, and just, you know, always around. So he, he he definitely, out of the eight years of us being connected, said he, he wanted to pop up on the podcast and talk some shit and say what he had to say, speak his piece on behalf of uh, Nipsey Hussle and uh, a lot of other things. Um, and one of our homegrown homegirls, day one, one. Day zero. Day zero. <laughs> Debbie Brown. Debbie Brown, uh, who you all know, radio personality, TV personality, media expert, homegirl, um, friend, West Coast advocate, man. I mean, she she's been down ten toes down since, like you said, day zero, and we're all just still trying to make sense of this this situation, this senselessness. Um, I'm I'm gonna ask you, Dev, just like I asked Salas, man. How how are you feeling? How are you doing? <laughs> um, it comes in waves, right? You know. Um, it comes in waves like I've just the past few days I've been at home and it's like you know li life is still happening right yeah. like I have a baby I have yeah. a young child um, you have businesses you have different things you're working on and you're trying as best you can to stay afloat Yeah. but this hasn't left your mind yeah. you know um, yeah it <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm normally not at a loss for words. It's just, you know, for me, it's like every time that I'm like, okay, okay, get focused. You got to return these emails. You got to do this. You got to do that. And I literally just think of Nipsey's laugh. Right. And I, I think of the way he would say my name from across the room, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. in that, that cadence that only Nip had, right. like that really like memorable, special rasp. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, man. And I just, you know, I lose it. So yeah. I, I, I definitely, um, I, I want to ask you too, Salas, because you, mm -hmm. you've been around not only ourselves, but I mean, the last, what, year and a half, two years, like specifically with Nipsey and you and DJ head running around, you know, with, 
victory lap and, and kind of being instrumental in the behind the scenes that you know a lot of people may or may not know about. People don't um, know about it. It's cool. And yeah. it's not even about the credit. It's not even about that. Yeah, but, we've, we've you know we obviously don't. Me specifically, I don't do a lot of stuff for the credit because you know. I've done a lot of stuff. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? People don't know. But yeah, last couple of years, we had, uh, Ed and I were fortunate enough to uh, be around Nipsey as he was, you know, kind of finishing up Victory Lap. And we had several uh, impactful conversations about the business. You know, Nipsey had built a brand without having to use, you know, you know, radio and whatnot. He was very proud of that. And Head being the radio guy and always wanting his, his, his friends to succeed nationally and whatnot was conveying the significance of what how radio could you know you know help what he's been building and what he had been building and whatnot so we were over there a lot and uh you know i'm very good friends with his producers mike and keys right um and you know and just organically just going over to that to their studio over here in north hollywood and then having those conversations and then just running into them just you know, just by being, you know, the guys that we are, we would just run it. The thing about Nipsey is he was, he was accessible. He right. was just around. Um, and, you know, I would see him and I remember I, I had to go to a session at Paramount uh, for, for somebody and he was doing a lot of his mixing at that time, you know, with Ali and whatnot. And um, anyone's ever been to Paramount Studios in Hollywood, it's on, uh, what's that, Santa Monica. Parking is like tough. There's some parking lots or whatever. I've been there, I've been going to Paramount Studios since I was in college, so 20 years, 20 plus years. I'd never seen anyone park their car in front on the sidewalk. Yeah. <laughs> he parked his Maybach. Right. <laughs> There's been iconic people to do albums. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and if he parked his Maybach, I was like, man, he a real L.A. nigga like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, he didn't, he was like, who does that, right? Yeah. And I would see him, he'd always, you know, um, hit me with, you know, you know, what up, OG, how you doing? And, and so, you know, got a chance to really get to to know him and and see him and and have a lot of just real conversations about you know life and and whatnot this has definitely been a very you know difficult last few days right. to say the least yeah i i just like you said david Dev, it comes in waves man like yeah. when 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 news broke obviously and that we'll get into you know what everybody was doing um but myself personally like i had to come up to the station me me and head just full disclosure man we, we talked about it before when we finish our homegrown show you know i track overnights for monday after the news broke i was like there's no way i i can just let that mm. shit s sit the way it is i have to come back up there and even head hit me with the text message like yo i'm going to the station he's not even on on sundays i'm going to the station i'm getting on air i, I gotta say some shit so I already knew I, I was either going to see him or not see him. Didn't get a chance to run into him, but I did um, go up to the station at night. And, you know, Abby was on air and they were, you know, Dre was going in, playing a lot of Nipsey records. And I wasn't even in the mindset of going on the radio that day because I knew I was going to track for my overnight shit or retrack it. I left my computer, left my headphones at home. So I'm like, damn, Abby, you got some extra headphones. She was like, yeah, here's some. You want to go up right now? totally caught off guard but I'm like I gotta do it I, I'll yeah. go on a little bit earlier gotta at least say something and when she just asked me how you know how are you I just I broke down like I'm not gonna even lie like I wasn't expecting <sighs> and the, the thing that hit me the hardest and I said it on air and I'll say it again man it's just that we love Nipsey right as a friend we loved him 
as a as a as an artist, an LA staple, an icon, what he did for the community, far phenomenal, right? But all I can think about is his kids, man. Like God. <laughs> God. You you y'all, so I'm the only one here with no kids, right? <laughs> and it was like, even for me, I was more or less I was thinking cause <clears throat> when he when it when so okay, so a little backstory like what Chuck was talking about. What happened that day is, uh, like, Fuzzy called me. Fuzzy called me and was like, he was like, "Yo, like, did you hear my Nipsey? He got shot." I'm like, "What?" Like, he was like, "You don't, you don't know." I'm like, "Nah, what happened? Like, what happened?" And he was like, um, "He's like, Nip got shot. I'm trying. I'm over here on Crenshaw right now. I'm like right here." He was like, "I'm trying to get more information. I'll call you back." So he got off the phone and then. Damn near as soon as Fuzz hung up the phone, like the streets just started talking. Yeah. Like it was yeah. just all it was, and then group I chat. Group the group chats yeah. to start going up and then and then it was like so then I got two significant texts and phone calls. One was like, you know, it's bad. Like it, like uh, it's really bad. That's all I got. And then you know, one of the homies, you know, one of the street homies called me. And he was just like, this fast forward, you know, through all of the other extra shit. He, um, one of the street homies called me. He was like, he was like, head. He was like, he gone, cuz. He was like, he gone. He's like, nobody know yet. Don't say nothing, cuz. But he gone, bro. And I was like, fuck. And I was just, I just, I don't know. I was just like. And this is in the flurry of like, like you said, text messages and, and social media and, and. What people don't understand about like people like, like ourselves that are so connected to this is that you see all of these rumors and things that pop up and you want to you want to you I don't even know what, what emotion it is as far as maybe wanting to save it or just clarify certain shit. But when you get resourceful information like that, you got to hold back. Right. Yeah. So you see and hear everything. And, yeah. and the thing the thing is, I was told in confidence, like exactly. ahead of time. Exactly. And. You know, one thing people know about me, like I don't, I don't betray that. So it was just like I had to just hold that shit in, and and it was fucked up because like I didn't really talk to no my my phone. Obviously, everybody's phone in L.A. started blowing up. Yeah, but I, I, I really, I was really only talking to three people because it was just like I don't know. Like me and Dev, me and Dev talked. And she was like, I don't know what's going on. You got to keep me in and let me know what's going on. Where is he at? Where can we, like, where's the house? Like, what, like, you know what I'm saying? And so I was talking to Dev. I was talking to Charlemagne because he wanted information because he didn't want the narrative to be fucked up. Right. And, you know, he, you know, obviously his voice is powerful. So, and, and big boy, because me and him know some of the same people and he was getting the same information and phone calls as I was getting. So it was like, he was like, you know, he called me, he was like, Hey, like, yeah, bro. He was like, man, you, you heard what I heard. I'm like, yeah, I already know. You know, we trying to, I'm trying to be, be hopeful. And then once, once, and I told, I told big and I told, uh, I think I told Big and like maybe y'all, like when when it happened, like you know he he gone. So I don't know what to do with the information. We not supposed to know yet. Yeah. Like so, um, 
I don't know. I didn't know what to do. And then our boss, Doc, Doc Winter, was caught. Like, he was, like, on me, like, make sure that we on the air with the right information. And I'm like, bro, I'm not even there. He was like, well, just call in. I'm like, well, I'm, finna, I'm about to just go to the station. Yeah. Fuck it. I'm finna just go get on the air and talk to the city because I don't know what else to do. Right. I didn't know where to go. I don't know who to call. I don't know who to respond to. I don't yeah. like. I don't know what the fuck to do. So I was just like, I'm just finna just go up here because that's all I know. I, I, we radio motherfuckers. Right. All, all three of us. We don't. This is what we do. I don't. You know what I'm saying? So let me ask you this, man, because obviously we all we all are significant in terms of like radio. I feel like radios are therapy, right? Yeah. We we we've had significant moments that we remember in radio as kids. You know, and now fast forward to live these moments as adults, as mm. parents, you know, I want to ask, like, how how you feel fast forward now versus just a, just a plain comparison, like because we all remember what happened when Pac got shot mm-hmm. yeah. and when Pac passed. How do you guys feel about <sighs> this versus when when that happened with Pac back in the yeah. day? And then obviously now as an adult, how, how do you process that? You know, and these situations are so obviously eerily similar in the sense that the void left by each of these men mm-hmm. is so vast. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's a it's a void that will shake you to your soul, whether you knew Nipsey or not, whether you are a casual fan or you stand for him, you know, across the nation, across the globe. Everybody, even people not too familiar, the second they hear a little bit about him are shaken to their core. I think, you know, with Pac, what was different, um, we were kids, right? So we didn't, I remember thinking when Pac died and Pac was 25, I remember because I was in middle school. Mm -hmm. So I remember thinking, well, he lived a long life. Yeah, right. (laughs) You know, how wild is that? Right, right. right? Mm -hmm. Because at 11, 25 is ancient, right? So I remember thinking, well, at least he lived a long life. Good for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And it's like, you know, for years, I mean, we still mourn Pac anytime you listen to music because you mourn the potential. You mourn what could have been Mm -hmm. knowing how revolutionary he was, knowing, you know, when when years later, like his diaries were found and you're seeing the illustrations about the community restaurant he wanted to open or all the initiatives and you're just like, God damn, you know? Um, For me, and I hope that I can express this in the way that my mind is creating it, It almost feels like the situation with Nipsey is so much worse. Yeah. It feels like it has exceeded mm-hmm. the level of mourning that you could have felt with the Pac or Biggie mm-hmm. for several reasons. Because Nipsey, at this point in time in his life, in his career, he had moved past just the dream and the vision, and he was executing. When you think of someone like Nipsey going down, it's like, you think of the hundreds to thousands to millions of people that will be negatively affected by this forever. Mm-hmm. You think about the people's futures who will not shape up in the way they could have because he is not here, not just from his family, which is 
the most obvious wow. gut-wrenching part of it, but down to the the man he hired to sweep up mm-hmm. the the yeah. the grounds yeah. where he worked, right? He hired all people that were in his community that maybe couldn't get jobs other places, that maybe didn't could be able to walk to work, you know, so that they could work. You you think of all the people who he was teaching financial literacy to, you think of the programs he was establishing in his community and all of these people will miss those opportunities, right. you know? And I think for me, what's, and I'm, what I'm really struggling with is that, you know, I have a very deep faith. I have a very, very deep belief system in God and in the universe, ultimately doing everything for our best good, no matter how challenging, right? This is the first time, like, my faith feels shaky. This is the first time where I, I feel like it's a glitch in the matrix and I feel like God got this wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you think of, you think of the cruelty within which Nipsey left this earth and it's infuriating, you know, because he was killed by his community right. in his community right. in front of the police he built for his community the level of wrong this is is so out of my normal wheelhouse to compute right yeah when you think of gun related violence this significant not that it's right but usually the circumstance will always allow you to make rational sense of it mm-hmm. well Wrong place, wrong time. Right. Well, he was trying to keep one foot in, one foot out. This was not that. None of those things. None of those. This no. was a bum ass loser. Mm. Someone who had absolutely no value of life because they didn't love themselves because they hate themselves. That harmed someone so valuable to the world because of their own shame, yeah. because of their own hate. You know, like the thought to me of Nipsey leaving this earth at the hands of someone who hated him is extremely difficult to reconcile. And it, it really shakes your faith in like everybody in this room is involved in their community. Everybody, everybody in this room has achieved success and Mm -hmm. has a desire to share that has a desire to be of service, right? This makes you tighten up at wanting to do Mm -hmm. that. Because if the guy that was literally giving the world the best that he had to offer was done like this. Mm-hmm. It's like, what message does that send? It, it just, number one, it makes you paranoid. It yeah. makes me, you want to protect yourself. And it makes you say, man, F this. Yeah. I want to wipe my hands. All and right. of course, we can't do that. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, especially with someone like Nipsey, and I hope I'm not ramp like I hope that the way this is forming in my mind is coming across, but <sighs> with somebody like Nipsey, who is so respected, who is so certified, right? Something like this could never happen in in the laws of street and in the laws of basic rationale, right? Mm-hmm. For someone to even flick him on the shoulder, right? You would have to have a certain level of protocol mm-hmm. that took place mm-hmm. before something like that could happen. And it would never happen. This 
this brings into play all of the uncontrollables about life, yeah. right? The all, all of the variables, all of the things that no matter how good you live, no matter how well-respected you are, no matter how protected you are, these are the variables that can't be accounted for. A rogue loser, mm. right? A rogue bum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone that does not value life and has no respect for like rational thought and action. Yeah. This is the only way something like this could have happened. That's terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the, the, the crazy part about it, you, what, what you're saying, I think, is what we're all feeling. Like, I can't even put in sentences sometimes, like, and you guys all know me. I'm the positive. I find <laughs> something great in every situation, yeah. no matter how negative it is. But this is the first time, like you said, in a while or that I can really think of that I, I'm, I really, I don't, I don't have anything. I don't have anything to say, well, you know what? This is I, I can't even put it together. Right. And and that is what disturbs me the most. And that's why even before we started this podcast, I hit up Salas like, yo, are you good? Like, and I don't and not not to say that I don't check on my friends like that, but for me, I can only speak personally. This shit hit me a little harder. Like, yes, with pot. We knew what was going on. We were, were we were crushed, and not to compare and say one was better than or worse. And I'm not even right. trying to get it out there like that. But that's the only way I can actually put one thing to the next. With Pac, yes, we were kids. Pac, we when he got shot, I was like, I remember my sister told me, "Yo, he got shot in Vegas." I was like, "Damn, he got shot again." All right, right. He'll be all right. Like he survived the first one, and then what made it different is the fact that he survived seven days or six days, died on the seventh. Mm-hmm. So we all had a sense of. Okay, it's gonna happen again. He he'll be all right. And when he when he died, of course we were crushed. But again, like you said, oh he he was wrong wrong situation. Yeah. He got in a fight in MGM Grand. So we were able to put those two or three things together and you say you were able to see cause leading to action. Exactly. Not that it was okay. Not that it was okay. But you were able to say, okay, well this, this happened. happened, this mm-hmm. happened, and ultimately that led to this. Right. But then with this and and. You know, I don't know if this is 100% accurate, but as of this recording, this is what TMZ reported. It's that Nipsey was only at the store without protection on a Sunday because he was getting clothes for his friend that just got out of jail. Wow. That apparently, and again, this is just, you know, the facts that I've read. I don't know the true validity, but, you know, apparently one of someone he knew had done 20 years had got out. Nipsey wanted him to be fresh. He wanted to give him a ton of gear for his new start and so that he could be fresh when he goes and sees his family. So nobody knew. At the UPS store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. The UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. Your local, the everything you need to be unstoppable store. The UPS store. Be unstoppable. The UPS store locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours may vary. See center for details. That he was not even at home. Damn. You know? Mm -hmm. And he went up there, met dude up there with apparently his nephew to open the shop and be like... Go get, get what you want. Get what right, you need. Right. Like get fresh. Right. Because that was that was the question that I think a lot of people had. Like, yo, why wasn't he protected? Or why? And, right. But that and and. Oh, and then God. it's like to leave the earth when you are doing a good service. A good service. <laughs> like, well, the th- you know, the thing about life is a lot of it doesn't 
makes sense, you know, which yeah. is why some people struggle with religion and whatnot. And that's a whole other conversation for another day. But a lot of it just doesn't make sense. The, the why's, right? Mm-hmm. We always say, you know, why did this happen? Why did that happen? The randomness of him going on a Sunday when his brother wouldn't be there and, and such and such. And, you know, his normal people that he rolls with weren't with him because he was doing something out of the normal. But who figures that they can't go to their own store where they exactly. own the actual right. shopping center? Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I should be able to go to where I, what I own. Right by myself or you know whatever and just do whatever i need to do real quick you had mentioned the the pack the relationship to what we experienced with pack to the relationship to what we're experiencing with nipsey i'm older so i was in i was a freshman in college mm-hmm. you know so i just started you know because it was in september right yeah, so i'm like yeah, yeah. four or five days into you know college and whatnot when when pack um, was shot and then later you know passed uh, so I was, you know, I had a little different, you know, perspective on it. But one of the things that we, when we look back on Pac, right, one of his iconic interviews is when he talks about being the person that maybe sparks, right? Right. right? And Nipsey was the, that. was yeah. an example of, you know, and probably very much a direct descendant of that yeah. line of thinking, right? And which allowed him to then put into place the things that we were saying, the, you know, the actual act of activism and, you know, being in your community and, and empowering your community and all those things, you know, it, it would be, it's, it's similar to as if, as if we had Dr. King, which then was a direct line to Barack Obama and Obama dying in, in office. Mm-hmm. Right. Imagine that that would have happened. Mm-hmm. That's what LA is dealing with. Mm-hmm. We had Pac and was like, okay, he was an, he was the idea of, right? He was mm-hmm. the idea of dot, dot, dot. Nipsey was the actuality of yeah. dot, dot, dot. He was yeah. actually doing it. We were like... Everything. And, and the thing is, is we were all amazed by each and every development of what he was doing. Every time. It's like, oh, man, he's doing... Like, when he first got the store, it's like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you're going to put it in... You know, on Crenshaw and Slosser. I'm a businessman. I have a business degree from Cal State Long Beach. And I know the challenges of trying to open up a, a boutique store there. It's like, well, you go to Beverly Center or Melrose. Fairfax. Fairfax. Yeah, yeah. Wait, yeah. Robertson. We can name like a million places that it would have made sense, especially the technology he had and all that. He's like, no, I'm going to put it over there. I'm like, next to the Master Burger? Like, but that's what was important to him. Yeah. And then when we went, we were we were there for the, the grand mm-hmm. opening. And let's just talk about what that day was like. When they shut down Slauson and whatnot, it was we saw thousands of people show up peacefully. Yeah. And the love the city had for him was I, you know, I'm like, this city loves him. Like loves this man. And I was just, it was just a it gave me chills to be there that day and and see that 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 opening and whatnot. And since then we we have gone back several times to do different things and whatnot. And I've even gone just as just to go buy stuff, you know what I'm saying? Um, and so we saw, you know, the embodiment of what he was doing, the, you know, the Vector 90, the, you know, <clears throat> buying up the rest of, you know, the shopping center um, to develop it and, and to do more. And and we were all, you know, amazed by that. You know, Head and I had a meeting last week with the city councilman, um, you know, uh, uh, Harris Dawson. And who's the city councilman of that area. 
That's and his district. It's his district. And, you know, and that's something that Head has been wanting to do because he's been he was inspired by Nips. He's like, yo, I want to be more involved. You know, Nips really out here doing stuff. And, you know, I want to have the bigger impact. So very quietly, you know, Head and I are doing certain things for the city of L.A. that people aren't aware of. And that was so we had this meeting and how casual in that meeting we're talking to, a, you know, it's the first time I've ever had a conversation with a real councilman, right? This man and is a real city councilman. He's a real city councilman. And we're talking, and the, how casually we are all saying Nipsey's name. Mm. Because he was a true pillar of the community. He wasn't just because he was a famous rapper. He was like, no, he was a real pillar of the community. Yeah. And we were using his name as examples of and reference to and potentially a partnering with. And this is a rapper. You know what I'm saying? You know? from a reputable part of the city, right? And so it's amazing in the in the positive way looking at the growth of what rap has done. Yeah. That yeah. someone like a Nipsey from 60s and whatnot could be a positive, you know, uh, a real positive role model. I mean, we know where he's from and we know what that section of the city is like and whatnot, but he become a real positive role model. That's the evolution of the Pac thing. Mm -hmm. We have to understand in sadness right now and in sorrow that Nipsey inspired so many other people. Yeah. And we won't know that, you know. You know, you guys have, you know, two sons. Mm. You know, you guys each have sons, right? Who you guys are going to make sure listen to Nipsey at some point. Because right. it's just, you know, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. They're going to listen to Pac. Right, and right. they're going to listen to Nipsey because yeah. that's just what you guys are going to do, right? And who's to say that this that generation that gets to have, you know, the... the this discography and you get to show them the new the the press clippings and things like that that this gen a generation won't be inspired to even do even more than he did and so because in the devastation of the laws it's going to birth some greatness i mean and that's just i always use the forest uh fire example forest fires are devastating but they're nece they're necessary for new growth mm -hmm new growth comes from a forest fire as devastating as that can be new vegetation comes from that and and as heartbreaking as losing nipsey is for this community greatness will i'm uh, i will you know i'm sure of it will be will come from it you know what i'm saying because he left this this legacy that's just like yo and it's not finished it's unfinished and i think we're all inspired to even do more right. you know you know, had did you know a career day yesterday, or uh, I don't know, get my right, day, right. yeah, yesterday, or whatever. Um, and you know, we're not in the space to to work right now. And then he pulled up and he talked to these kids because he knows out of these kids, you know, they see DJ Head and whatnot. Who knows what's going to come out of that? And when we have to keep doing the community stuff and representing Los Angeles as you know as as. It was important to us before. It's even more important. And to speak on what you were saying, Debbie, about wanting to kind of, you know, contract your efforts because we saw what happened to him um, when he was being of service. Um, I, I get that that thought process and that mentality. I, I completely get it. What's interesting is that I actually did not have that feeling. My feeling was, oh, I must go even harder because... There's a void. And not just a void, but there's a void. But what what this L.A. thing means. So a lot of people don't know why I do the things that I do. But I used to run into you, 
Debbie years ago when you were doing you know zombie radio and yeah. I was with you know the bang looses of the world and the bad lucks of the world you yeah. know what I'm saying like people don't know what my passion is I'm a death row baby meaning that I was inspired by everything I saw in death row and that was a lot of negativity I mean Suge was on some some bullshit let's just keep it 100 but I was inspired by the art and what it meant to the city when that left there was a void in LA musically you know the, the industry stopped supporting LA and, and developing artists and whatnot and so then yeah. a new generation was trying to come up and they were calling themselves the new west and whatnot and I wanted to get involved on the business side because I wanted to reestablish the significance of LA maybe not the dominance but the significance of LA mm-hmm. and whatnot and so everything I've always done has been in support of this city um, culturally, the 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 black culture of Los Angeles, and so and then the older I get, the more concentrate I get in that vision and that idea to the point now that I'm very much surly <laughs> to the idea of anything anti LA. When people say anything anti LA, I low key you lose my hit. shit. You right, know what I'm saying? Right. Like, and because people don't know what I personally do, you know, I'm making sure young kids are getting record deals right now. You know what I'm saying? Like setting up. Uh, that I have nothing to benefit. I don't make any money. I just, I just want you to win, you know, and I want you to win. And you know, head and I are working on certain albums to make sure that certain people win and and whatnot. And I started working with these guys because I saw something special in Homegrown in in, in Inglewood. And I'm like, this is could be something. And we're in iHeart right now, right? Crazy. So I have impacted the culture. And so you know, I want to go harder and. Every day, I was telling Chuck this, every, you know, uh, one of the things that's been tough about the whole Nipsey thing is the realization of the burden of being a black man, right? It's just hard. Facts. It's just hard being a black. We have to think about so many things every single day. When we see the police, the police aren't here for us. They're, we are the enemy of the state to them. So we have to, you know, dip and dodge and act accordingly and whatnot. I got to think about where I get gas. I got to think about where I go to the ATM. I got to think about, do I want to go into this 7-Eleven to get my Arizona sweet tea or do I want to go to a different one? You know what I'm saying? And just to your point, man, just just to let you know how serious that is, and, and I'll just dip in real quick. We I talk got, about this shit all the time. I got banged on Christmas Eve because I went to the wrong gas station. Christmas so Eve. So it, wow. go, it goes to show how Christmas serious. Eve? Huh? Really? Hell yeah. Just on some random shit. So it's like, to, to your point, so, when people hear that, they're probably like, oh, it can't be that serious. Gas. No, it's, no, it's, it's that yeah. it's that serious. Even to what you wear. To what I wear. And I think about what I'm going to wear throughout the... And I think about what's my day going to yeah, look like. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Am I going to just be in North Hollywood and Burbank? Then I can wear whatever I want. I'll wear blue, I'll wear red. You know what I'm saying? Or if I'm going to be sliding through the city, oh, I'm wearing all black. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Be neutral. You know, or like right now, I'm just kind of like wearing like some, you know, you know, gray hoodie and whatnot. So it's the, the burden of being a black man. I'd never complain because I think being black is a beautiful thing or whatnot. But I was exhausted mm. by that the news of that because he was just being a black man that day every day I get up and I leave my house to work I have literally two agendas number one make an impact on the culture it's literally like I'm trying to make an impact on this culture every single day and right next and right after number one number two is get back to my babies Mm. You know, most people don't realize this because I don't speak on this because I'm not a big social media person when it comes to my personal life. I'm a full time single father of two teenage girls, black women. So it's very important. And as a man, it's very important that I'm present for my babies. Right. But it's not easy being a black man out here. You see you saw what happened in it. You know, he was just trying to help the homie out, you know, like, you know, reportedly yeah. and whatnot. And 
you know, the randomness of being black in L.A., unfortunately, um, you know, became a reality to him. And so in the aftermath, I mean, I've needed a couple of days to process things that I haven't gone as hard. I was telling Chuck earlier, like I've been working, but I've been just turning in my, my assignments, hitting this email, hitting this text. You know, I haven't been doing any of my extra credit every day. I do extra credit every single day. I do extra credit. You know what I'm saying? I've done no extra credit the last few days. Today is one. Because you guys are doing the podcast, I'm like you know what? No, this is important, and I'll be fine. And you know the rest of you know going forward, but I have to go harder. I have to go harder. I have to make sure that there's an infrastructure in place, a better infrastructure in place that we can groom the next Nipsey, and he doesn't have to wait ten or so years to get his opportunity to get an Atlantic, you know, uh, record deal and whatnot, and he can, you know, make his impact a little sooner and and get to a national prominence faster. That comes with an infrastructure of the business of of what we do, the business of our culture. So I have to go harder, but man, I admit. The last couple of days have been very challenging. I think okay. I, I want to ask you a question real quick, Ed, because you you were on air the other day, and this is the first time that I've known you for about fifteen years, mm-hmm. and this is the first time that I've actually seen you strike a chord and emotionally speak about some situations that took place. They had they had a, a vigil, and we all we all went out there. Yeah, um, there's been a, a lot of vigils that took place, but immediately the day after. Within 24 hours, we were all out there, foot to the grounds, and just just to be there. I, you didn't plan on being there, Dev. Yeah. I didn't plan on being there. Head, I know you didn't plan on being there, but we all were were, were sh- I didn't like, go. pulled pulled there just just to so just to be in, in in the moment of what was going on. Right um, later that night, after we left, uh, some things happened, and the the news reported that some shots were fired, people were stabbed, and you made it a point to hop on air. And kind of voice your opinion. I, I want to ask you, why was that such an emotional thing for you? Because I've seen you. You've you've taken fades, right? You've gotten your ass beat. Yeah. You've gotten an accident, damn near killed. And just for L.A. or for homegrown and for the homies, you take it on the chin and you keep on pushing as a what I call you as a robot. Like you don't really yeah. show any emotion. So why why did that strike a chord <clears throat> for you uh, to to speak on that so publicly about Nip? the marathon store and the what what the news had reported i think because well for one i don't like like i got a real problem with uh i have a real problem with with like with bullshit i guess you could say mm-hmm. like i don't like i don't like bullshit like that's why i'm really that's why i'm like the way i am like that's why people be like oh you robot i'm a straight shooter i just tell it like it is is because i don't like the, the fluff I don't like the bullshit I don't like false narratives I don't like that shit and I don't like it when it's directed at me because it's like a false narrative can really damage somebody's fucking shit it's like somebody accused you of rape or something that could ruin your career in the, in the court of public opinion with no facts mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying so when, when people start putting false facts out there and it's like and parading that shit is like this is what happened. It's like that's not what happened. And so like I don't like that shit. And then now something did happen. There was like a little fight or something, which tensions are you know emotions and tensions are high. Like I expect that kind of stuff to happen. Um, the stampede and stuff was unfortunate, but or, or if that's what they want to call it or whatever. But um, what really what really made me mad was I didn't like how people was acting. Mm. Like. 
it's like it's like it's like one of the homies used to say, "Who raised you?" Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, who fucking raised you? Like, I don't give a fuck where you from. Like, you can be from this hood, that hood. You could be from a third world country. You could be from. You could be from fucking any gang. You could be anything. You could have been raised by fucking animals. Respect is universal. Yeah. Respect is universal. And and you understand when somebody is being disrespectful. You understand when somebody is is not respecting something that's happening right now. Nipsey was murdered. Like let's not let's that's what would happen. Like he wasn't it wasn't he wasn't like I don't like that gun down shit. I don't like he was killed. Nipsey was murdered. Mm. You know what I'm saying? In cold blood, first degree murder. That's what will happen to Nipsey. And so for people to be like making it making it about them and and going up there and with entitlement and like uh and just acting a fucking fool. Like and I could I was trying I was trying I, I think I might have cursed on the on the air for the first time. <laughs> for sure edited that out, edited out for social media. Yeah, I, I might have cursed on the air, you know. I didn't mean to. Hey, you know it happens. Um, it's just words, <laughs> right. and there's a dumb button too that, that people. Don't yeah, know. I don't. I don't remember honestly, but I think like for me it was just because Nip Nip was like somebody that I looked up to, even though like he he was somebody I looked up to in the sense that he was a man, mm-hmm. like he was a he was like a like it's like three people like obviously I didn't have a dad right like around me like that, so it's like. About three to four people in my life that I look to as like that's some man shit. Mm. I fuck with that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? What he did and what he stood for and what he pushed was some man shit. Fuck cripping, fuck gang banging, fuck West Coast, fuck LA. What he represented was some man shit. And it was like because when I see certain things, like I saw, like I saw some tweets and I saw some some posts and shit like that, and it just it to me it was just disrespectful. It was just disrespectful, and 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 now I kind of feel like Salas. Like I'm on some shit where like like disrespect will no longer be tolerated. No longer. It will no disrespect will no longer be tolerated. Not on my watch. And I'm not saying I'm gonna be. I'm not. And I'm, everybody know I'm not from no hood. I'm not. I don't have no big homies to report to. I'm not from a gang. I'm not tough. I don't want to fight. I will call the police on you. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying. I'm not on no street shit at all. But just to let you know, I'm. It's it's whatever at this point because it's like anytime you able to murder a man in cold blood, right? In his community, in front of us, in front of somewhere that he built for the community to be murdered by the community. Yeah. Right. And then for people to not respect like his 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 legacy, his life, don't respect this man. He uh, what he stood for. It was like that. I just had enough. Now, let's let's be clear, man. I, and we've, we've said it a couple of times, too. Um, and and Dev, to your point, this is a loser in the community. Right. I don't want to make it seem like the community has something yeah, to do with right. that. The community had love and showed well, love. And, yes, and you're right. You're right. But the totality of one community consists of the bottom feeders, consists of the waste product. You know what I'm saying? We all have toilets in our house mm-hmm. for a reason. You know what I'm saying? And yes, that's not the that's not the true representation of our city. And it's not the true representation of that neighborhood and whatnot. But on the flip side... You know, the city creates that as well. Mm. You know what I'm saying? We have to look at the totality of 
of humanity. Right. You know what I'm saying? Got you. I, I I get that. I just I I want to just go on record and yeah. just make sure that, that we know that they, even with that stampede or whatever went down, but there there was so there's so much love prior to that. Yeah. There was a Especially lot of love that was going that don't on. Understand the dynamic of what being in an inner city community means. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people in from other communities and other parts of the state that may not understand they, what yeah. those don- dynamics really are. Exactly. They so don't. You're right. When and you say community, they're just like, oh, you know, that's how the hood acts. Like, no, it's just like any other part of society. You right. have good you have bad you have broken mm-hmm. you know and it was just one it's just one fucking loser like you know what i'm saying and i think that i'm not you what's fucked up is this is what's fucked up this was made this would really piss me off right i was i was upset not because of i wasn't i was i'm, I'm gonna be honest i'm gonna be honest i wasn't upset about you know the, the i wasn't upset with I was upset with how it happened. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like it's like what I always tell people, it's like we give words power, right? If I call somebody a bitch, you're not mad at the at the fact at the word bitch. You're mad that I'm trying to verbally disrespect you in the highest form that I know how. It's the intent behind mm-hmm. it. It's the intent yeah. behind it. And so when I when I when I see what happened, because everybody saw that shit, it's like you intended to humiliate and disrespect this man to the highest degree, and he didn't deserve that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so that's where that on top of people not respecting the fact that how this man lost his life. Right. You know what I'm saying? I, I want I, I brought that question up because me and me and Dev had a, had a conversation while literally in the streets. Uh, right in front of the marathon store, and I asked you. I said, I, I mentioned to the fact of, um, you know, how people respond to this, and there was a loser in the community that did this, right? But at the same time, people are talking about how accessible he was, yeah. right? Yeah. And the 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 I don't want the message to get out there that somebody of his stature shouldn't be doing that, right? shouldn't be pouring back into the community because now from from a perspective people are going to look at it as okay. i i so i don't think it's that he shouldn't be pouring back into his community i don't think that that's necessarily what's meant by accessible mm-hmm. it's not the deeds it's the access you give people to you mm-hmm. you know i think that i think nipsey really trusted his community. Right. I think he really had a lot of faith and trust in what he was building and growing because he knows the best parts of that area. He knows the 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 best parts of the people that live there. Right. You know, the goodness that is there, the opportunities that have been lacking. He wanted to provide that for them. But I I do think, you know, you have to it's a balance. It's a balance between being available and accessible. You know, it, it's a it's it definitely is a balancing act that really needs to get looked at from people that have achieved certain levels of success. You know, um, you also have to protect yourself, and I don't mean that necessarily in a way of you know, I you got to be strapped to go somewhere. You got to have, but there. Everybody doesn't deserve to have easy access to right, you, right, period. Right. And that and that goes for like even us, right? Like not to the same degree, but it's like you can't anybody that wants to 
come to your house doesn't get to come to your house. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like the people you know and trust get to come to your house. Everybody else don't get to walk in and do what the hell they want. And so I do think that, um, and I don't really even know like where to go with this. Um, But I I think that's more what people mean when they say he was too accessible. It wasn't that, oh, he shouldn't have been doing so much for the community. No, of course. That that was his heart. Of course he should. I think sometimes maybe people feel that he did not realize how different and special and rare he was Mm -hmm. and maybe underestimated the effect that that would have on bums. Right. Right on on broken people on someone like that man. Yeah. The effect of seeing his greatness. He was using his greatness and his accessibility so that people could have something to aspire to and know that it was in reach. Right. But there's always the yin and the yang. There was that. There was the people that felt that and did that. And then you also get the flip side of it. The people that why not me? Yeah, I, I think my response was directly to people because I again got a lot of texts a lot of calls and some of the conversations that I was having with people was like ah, see if he didn't oh, if he didn't right. if he didn't do it on on yeah. Lawson yeah, and Crenshaw no, no, this, no. and that I think that was more or less my point is like how do you how well, how because the way I responded to it is like well who the fuck else would build right. his own community I wouldn't want some an outsider to come in and buy up the block. I respect Nipsey because he did it. And yeah. if that means he's going to have to be, quote, unquote, accessible and be out there and be the face of it, then so be it. You know, but but him, let's say, being at the store five times a year versus 25 times a year, it, you still have the element of yeah. what happens within that community, right? And that's the thing. It wasn't, when it comes down to it, honestly, it wasn't about what Nipsey did or didn't do exactly. or how much he protected himself or didn't. This was at the hands of a piece of shit. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Exactly. And, the, and it was a, like I said, a perfect storm for the disaster. He didn't, he yeah. wasn't there with his normal people. Yeah. I mean, right, right, right. right. Yeah. The thing about accessibility, and I get why some people would say that about you know, you shouldn't do certain things when you're a, a celebrity and you have notoriety and things like I get that. Um, the average person is average because they don't push themselves to achieve greatness. Correct. Mm-hmm. We can all we all know what it what it takes to achieve greatness within. Yeah. And, you know, you have to you have to push through uh, so many things to to become the best version of yourself. So when an average person tells or comments on what a great person should or shouldn't do. Mm. <laughs> wow. I literally laugh at that because yeah. it's like, you're in the audience. You bought a yeah. ticket yeah. for the show. <laughs> That's the bar. Right? Yeah. And so yeah. I don't give them any credence to that. You know, me and Head <laughs> will go anywhere in the city. It'll just be me and him. We'll go to the East Side. You know what I'm saying? We'll go, you know, we'll go to, you know, Crenshaw and Slauson. You know, we've been on, you know, we've, the three of us have been on Broadway and 108. Shout out to G Perico. Happy birthday to him, by the way. Happy birthday, birthday, G. Yeah. On more than one occasion, we've yeah. been on Broadway and 108. Mm-hmm. And, and after we were done doing what we were doing there, we're just hanging out. Yeah. Right? We'll go anywhere in the city. We'll go to your um, your recording studio. We'll go to your video shoot. You know what I'm saying? Um, Asia, you know, a young artist out of Compton. She's got a barbecue coming up later this month. We will be there for that. DJ Head has become a very uh, noteworthy and important voice to the city. We can all agree on that. Mm-hmm. And you will see him 
anywhere in the city randomly. And that's not going to change. I know him well enough to that I can say this right now. That's not going to change. He's going to be as accessible, if not even more accessible, because the importance of what that means to, to the city and the community. And so when random average people want to be of the peanut gallery and tell us what we should and should not do, whether it's invest in this or be here for that and whatnot, I literally do not listen to that i just don't listen to that and you know did i have my reservations about the the economic business model of what nipsey was doing at first i was like Ugh. i mean i don't know if you know i would have invested my money like that initially but when i saw the vision i'm like oh i see what he's doing it's yeah. it's part of a portfolio of, of decisions it's not just yeah i'm gonna have this one standalone thing yeah. it's like well that's kind of uh, i don't oh it's a portfolio of financial decisions oh i get that because i have um i have an an academic background to understand what he was doing i do not listen to average people they will never impact how and why i make any decisions i make in my life they are average for a reason you know what i'm saying they gave up on themselves to be great and they said oh you know i'm gonna and i'm just gonna sit back in my barker lounger you know what i'm saying (laughs) on my phone right and comment on your greatness. Yeah. Oh, I'm not worried about that. What I do want to wrap up with this, uh, I definitely want to speak on on the the, the good things about Nipsey, right? Yeah. I want I want all of us to share a story, one of our favorite moments, um, whatever it may be, about Nipsey. Um, I'll, I'll start off by uh, just just simply remembering uh, the All Eyes on Me premiere, right? And you know, by this time, I, I think I hadn't seen Nipsey in some time, like. You know, it's been a minute or whatever. But I remember we were going to get credentials and he had already gotten his passes and he was booking across the street going towards where uh, the intro, the entrance was. And I'm, I could I had to be like 500 feet away. Right. And I'm going across the street. And I'm like, oh, they go Nipsey. Like, cool. It's with his crew or whatever, entourage or whatnot. And I don't know how. He even knew to look in my direction. I don't even know if somebody was calling. I don't know what it was, but he had we locked eyes. And he was like, Chuck, what up? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit. What's up? And, and mind you, I hadn't you seen him in some time. So he was like, Chuck, what up? What's up? And I walked over there. You good? How everybody doing? They good? They straight? I'm like, yeah. And I'm thinking, mind you, I, had, I honestly hadn't seen him since. I mean, I seen him running around, but I hadn't had like a real dialogue with him since. Like the the K Day days, so mm-hmm. it, it had been some time. I'm like he he he's not gonna remember me. He'll know my face, but Chuck, what up? You good? Boom, boom, boom. Chopped it up and just bailed his way. And I'm like, damn. And then that was the same thing that happened when we were here at real a couple of times. You know how how crazy it is with drops and people have to do this, that, and the third. So he had to, had a meeting, and I just remember specifically he said two things. He same thing again. Chuck, what up? You good? Yeah, I'm good. And then before he left, he's doing an interview with Big Boy, and he looked over at, uh, at Head. He's like, Head, I ain't going to leave without saying something to you, bro. I got to talk to you. I ain't going to leave without chopping it up with you. And I'm like, damn, as busy as this man is, yeah. as, as much stuff as he has, Grammy nominated, all these things, all these accolades, success, he still had time for those that he supported. And he commanded yeah. that respect mm-hmm. every single time. And I just that that's always going to stick with me. And that's something I just plan to implement in my life. Like, man, no matter mm. what happens, what I do, what success I achieve, I'm always make sure that that continues in my lifestyle. And I can definitely like use a, a piece of what, what I, I've seen from that, man. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. 
there's so much good stuff to choose from and um so i have a i have a couple things that i want to say um one, I just want to take a moment, especially with you here, Chuck, to remember Nipsey's start. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, you think of like 12 years ago, mm-hmm. you know, like you think of like the, the time of like Bullets and Got No Name Volume oh, 2, my you God. know, my, still, still my favorite project, project to man. date. Um, I had to run it back early. Thank God Title got it on uh, their playlist. <laughs> I was on it. And, you know, like you and I at that time were really a part of something very special. Yeah. You know, it didn't. I don't know how special we knew it to be in that moment, um, especially because we were just so young right. and we were trying to achieve things. And mm-hmm. where we worked was a little cray cray. Yeah, said the <laughs> um, least. But, you know, at that time, you and me were super young radio personalities at K-Day. Yeah. And, you know, our our come up in radio and our rise directly coincided with the rise of West Coast music mm-hmm. and with the rise of really significant people like Nipsey, like Kendrick, you know. Um, and there's many more to name, even in R&B, like Miguel. Like yeah. This was this time, this really special time that the resurgence of West Coast music as a nationally appreciated genre yeah. was coming back, yeah. you know. Um, and it was really a tight-knit moment, especially for the personalities like us that were plugged in to the underground hip-hop. Right. That were at all of the shows, right? That were screaming New West, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, that yeah. were, you mm-hmm. know, um, were, were at all of the all of the tiny, tiny little shows in the middle of Long Beach or, you know, Mm -hmm. these venues (laughs) that no one goes to, you know, Mm -hmm. that held like 50 people to 75 people. And so that was the, that was the moment in time that Nipsey was coming out. And something that I remember really deeply and that I've been thinking a lot about is he used to come up to the station, right? With like Big U and Steve LaBelle also come up by himself. Nipsey was very young. We're all the same age, um, pretty much, yeah. right? So, you know, at that time, I think I was 21 or 22. Mm-hmm. So Nipsey was 21 or 22. And he would come to the station and he was this brand brand new guy out of 60s, right? That had, you know, like really like he had a mixtape that had come out, but he was just starting to like make waves outside of his immediate neighborhood, right? And I just remember instantly knowing and understanding that he was special. Instantly feeling and, and knowing that his type of sound was really an acquired taste, right? Yeah. It's not something that people were going to get nationally um, right away, yeah. you know? Um, but still knowing that even, and it's an acquired taste, that I have to say that I loved. Yeah, yeah. Right? I was like, saying, that was on my that kind yeah, of sound. Right, right. <laughs> so I was like, oh, this is the best yeah. thing that's ever happened. <laughs> um, but even, even, even in knowing that he might have a little bit of a journey to achieving the level of success that he deserved and was working towards, you could feel the specialness seep out of him. Mm-hmm. There was a joy in him, there was a wisdom in him that you could feel. And even looking back at it and remembering some of our conversations and thinking of myself as a pretty deep and wise person, right? I was like, God damn, he was light years ahead of me. He was light years ahead of me at that time. I'm, 
I've just learned some of the things that he was telling me in conversations in the last five to six years, That's you true. know? Yeah. Um, and he already had it inherently. So when I look back and I think about that really, really special space, I just remember him coming just randomly texting me and be like, yo, I'm about to roll up on you. Mm-hmm. Coming, walking into the station, sitting on my desk and playing music or just talking and then being like, oh, I'm gonna take you to lunch, Debbie. Yeah. We would go downstairs and we would walk up the street and we'd go sit at Fat, Fat Burger. Burger. yep. <laughs> which is why it was so funny to me they when bought. I found out that he bought a Fat, a fat Burger mm-hmm. because he just used to pop up on me to take me to lunch. Yeah. And we would go sit in that Fat Burger and talk about our dreams mm-hmm. and he would talk about his dreams. And you know, after, after Victory Lab dropped, I had hit him up and I, like I was really emotional when Victory Lap dropped. Mm. If you know me, you know I care really hard. Absolutely, like, yeah. I'm a sensitive soul. I'm an empath, you know. And so, when I hear certain albums by people that I really mess with, that I remember from this time, it makes me emotional. I cried the first time I heard "Damn," mm. <laughs> and the first time I heard "Victory Lap," I cried tears of joy. And I remember hearing "Dedication," and I, I just smiled and had tears coming down my face because I felt so excited for him and I remember I hit him up and I was just like yo this is crazy this is phenomenal and I was like this this body of work is perfect this is your moment I'm so happy and he was just like yo I love you sis like you are a real one you've been a real one you get it you understand like my entire soul is in this project this is what I've been working for and I just remember feeling this level of just deep enthusiasm and happiness for him because this year was the year that this marathon was about you know like this year like him getting nominated for a grammy album this was the moment that all of these years of knowing him was about and no matter you know i think a lot of his fans a lot of people see him and see what he accomplished and you never think he missed a step right because he was always always on an upward climb. But I think people don't understand really how difficult that climb was because he had such a poise about him and such a larger vision. He was not an easily defeated person. Mm -hmm. But that's hard. You have a very specific sound, a very rare sound that even your own city can't play that much up until Victory Lap, right? Right, right. That's hard. Like you have to daily keep pouring into yourself to feel motivated and understand your larger vision of Mm -hmm. what you want to accomplish on a community level outside of the fame. And it was only in this last handful of years that he was getting the recognition that he had deserved and he was getting the recognition from his predecessors that he deserved. You know, when you see Jay-Z showing him respect, when you see Puff showing him respect, when you see a lot of the icons that he grew up on showing him respect. And so, you know, it just, I mean, that's, that's the part that's sticking with me as the hardest is just seeing that this moment was so special, but really pulling on the memories that we have from him is just all I keep thinking of specifically, you know, obviously like I have seen and talked to Nip so many times in the last 10 years, right? But those early moments, those first couple of years at K-Day of him just being, of all of us just being kids and him just being a big dreamer and having this music, um, 
it it sticks with me so so deeply and it's the thing that I've really been holding on to and also the thing that has been making it really hurt yeah. a lot um but also really quick I wanted to share this funny story that I just remembered when we were at um the memorial when we went out to um go to the marathon store on Monday uh we ran into Sylvan Sylvan Marshall and yeah. he and he tapped me he nudged me he was like yo Debbie you remember when you used to have to try to fight off the moms and the pastors to play his song <laughs> and I was like what and he was like remember hustle in the house and I was like yo and instantly everything flooded back to me we've seen so much wow. and done so much in mm -hmm. radio right mm -hmm. there's so much music so you don't remember all the specifics but it brought back this memory and I ended up googling it and I found this article that Nipsey spoke on about it this is an article that came out in 2010. So Hustle in the House was the single uh -huh. from Bullets and Got No Name, mm -hmm. right? Hustle in the House was my favorite song Loved it, yeah. from that project. And it's still in my top three favorite songs from Nipsey of wow, all time, gotcha, right? Yeah. Like that song. <laughs> it goes, man. It represented goes. a lot. Yeah. And it had such an aggressive assuredness about it right that really let you know who nipsey was right. you're like oh yeah. i get it i get it i get it immediately this is what we're doing immediately yeah. <laughs> okay this is, what, this is what we're doing yeah <laughs> but if we're being clear uh that song is very problematic oh yeah you the know first opening lines it, straight up <laughs> a crazy mother named nipsey Turned up because I, I grew, grew up, up in the sixties. I love how the radio tried to play. It, it was like Ish, yes, 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 yeah. Like all right, we get it. We're not trying to incite no riots, but yeah. So our time at K Day, you know, that we were the first people to ever play that record. Absolutely. We were the first people to ever play Nipsey Hustle on mm -hmm. Los Angeles radio on any FM dial ever. Mm -hmm. And that was the song, right? Because that was the most significant song on the project. Absolutely. But if you're a radio programmer, <laughs> that's not the record you get behind, yeah, right? No. Because it, it's somewhat irresponsible mm -hmm. because of the messaging, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, so I remember very clearly at that time I was music director at K-Day. Adrian Scott, AD, was Shout the PD. AD, yeah. AD was a huge, huge champion and supporter mm -hmm. of LA scene and and. You know, we had the freedom because we were a smaller station right. to do stuff like that, mm -hmm. right? And I'll never forget that me, AD, and Trayvon Shots sat in the tea. studio yeah. trying to clean up this song <laughs> and make it salvageable yeah. to play on FM radio. So you're to blame for it. Goes, yeah. I grew up in the East, 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 East. We know that's late like 60s. We know. That's funny. So you guys were in there actually cleaning the whole record cleaning up. Cleaning the record up wow. to try to make this happen, right? <laughs> And I remember a significant, a significant amount of blowback. Mm -hmm. We got boycotted. Mm -hmm. Pastors, mothers, community leaders called us constantly, constantly. Every time that song played on the airwaves, I got several voicemails. And people, you know, people were angry. Moms and, and the pastor, they were angry. They were like, how could you play this song? And he's saying X, Y, and Z on the radio. And at the time, I remember, you know, I was young. I was like, people are hating. Yeah, he grew up in the 60s. What do you mean? He's just telling his story. Right. You know, story. But of course, they they were trying to protect their communities. Course, they, yeah. they understood the... the 
the damage and the experiences that people in those neighborhoods had had at the hands of gangbanging, right? right? And I remember we had to pull the record. And, you know, Nipsey was disappointed. And he was like, you know, what happened? And I told him, I was like, I'm going to play this for you. And I was playing him some of the voicemails and he got it. And he was just like, yo, I didn't think of it that way. Like, I didn't didn't look at it that way Mm. because this is just my life. So I'm just telling people who I am and what my experiences are. But it had a profound effect on him. And he was just like... Oh, man, I get it. Sis, say no more. Mm. I understand. You know, I'm going to come with another one. I got another one, (laughs) you know. And when Complex did his very first interview, his very first highlight Mm -hmm. um, of him as an artist, Complex magazine did on a national level. And they, you know, they asked him the question of, you know, oh, you know, how does it feel to not be supported by Los Angeles radio and you're an Mm -hmm. L.A. artist? And in the article, he said, nah, that ain't it. Like, L.A. supports me. The radio station supports me. He was like, my homegirl, Debbie Dev, had to break it down to me that they 100% want to get behind my record. But, you know, the the language is problematic. You know, not everybody can handle hearing about my experiences Mm -hmm. in the 60s. He was like, but that don't mean, like, my city don't support me, you know? That's dope. Yeah. And so that that just really stuck with me. And, And to see the... The amount of shifts and messaging that he has made since that moment, you know, he really Gross, was able. Right? Yeah, he was able to find this great space of being able to share his truth mm-hmm. as he should, mm-hmm. while also maybe reframing some of the some of the conversation so that it's not necessarily celebrating some of that trauma. Gotcha. You know, exactly. Just documenting what's going on in his neighborhood at the same time, but you know, being being responsible with that message. Understanding yeah. that, you know, yeah. what comes with it. I like the real quick the irony of community leaders having an issue with him and then, and then him becoming <laughs> right. a community right. leader. Absolute community right, leader. Right, right, you know right. Like, Fast you know forward to that. It's like, well, so, gotta love the, the irony so, with that. So tell us, what, what's, your, what's your, your memory of... Uh, I have a, I have a you know, a couple. I will say, um, one... It's not. It's more about head than myself, but it's about what you know. What head and I do, right? Um, so before Victory Light came out, you know how there's always these industry listings and things like that. And, you know they'll have a million of them. So he did one at Record Plant, and it was all just industry people. And we were all in the studio, and we were all like jam packed in the control room, like like that was where he wanted to have it. And so it was like. I'm like, it felt like 200 people in this control room. We're all shoulder to shoulder. So he starts talking about, you know, uh, Victory Lab, and he, he's doing his intro or whatever. And Head wasn't in there. He was in the hallway being the social butterfly that he was talking to somebody, <laughs> you know, record rep, whomever, right? And he comes in late. So we're all in there listening to Nip, like you know, all the tensions on Nip. And then here comes Head, and and you could, and it was a, a noticeable distraction. And he's like, yo, who's that? And then Nip sees that his head. And stops what he was doing, says, oh, head, my nigga. And then proceeds to talk about who head is, the significance mm. of, you know, head and the support and all that. Like, and in the moment, I know head didn't, like, understand what that meant. To me, it was validation that all the hard work we do in going to these studio sessions and pulling up on people right. and, you know, we, it feels like a thankless job. You know what I'm saying? Because we get nothing out of it because we want to see people win. For him to have that moment and to <clears throat> acknowledge Head as being, I forgot what he said specifically, but it was, in essence, the um, being the you know one of the most important people mm. at radio and things like that, right? And so it was like that was a great, you know, positive um, 
you know, moment. Um, for me, I would say one of the best memories I had was he was at uh, Record Plant. This is when he was. I have a couple of things. He was at Record Plant, and um, he was supposed to be mixing the album, but he was still like recording new music. So I was like, "Are we mixing the album? Are we What's making a new on? album? I'm like, yeah. what are we doing, right?" And he was in there, and and if you've ever seen him, you know, I've, I'm blessed to have seen this man work, right? Side note, he's as much a producer as he is anything else. One hundred percent. He got no production credits on any of what he's done. But when you and they're watching, you know, he's talking with them. He's talking to the engineer and to the producer about everything. So he's just as much a producer like Kendrick as a producer. And he people don't realize that. So he's in the studio, no shirt on, right? Um, smoking, you know, cloud full of smoke and whatnot. And he's working and you get to see the brilliance of how he can be socializing with the homies. And producing the record at the same time mm. and writing his record and writing his verse. Cause he's like kind of like writing it, but he's talking to you or talking to somebody and joking around or whatever. And then he'll be like, okay, I'm ready. And then we'll go in and you see him recording to see uh, the process. I'm a very big process person. I love the creative process and the, to see the uh, g- the genius of his, of his process um, was very much impacting me. Um, my last memory that I have that I wanted to share was um, late last year in preparation for his Grammy uh, award campaign. You know how they have to campaign. Right. Um, the recording industry had done a documentary with him and there was a, um, a screening at the Soho house and um, I was, I was there and whatnot. And it was, you know, just like Fifty or so people that was invited, and we got to see this documentary. It was dope and whatnot. It was about his show at the so at sob in New York. Um, afterwards, you know, I went up, you know, shook his hand. He said, "Oh, what's good?" You know, what I'm saying. He said, "Where's Head?" I said, "This is when Head was already um, full timer." So he was. I said, ah, "You know, he's working." He said, "Oh, that's right." You know, congratulations on all that. He says, "Yo, I need you guys to pull up." to the studio we're working on some new music and um but i'm building my new space so you know uh have you know you know i'm gonna tap in you know he always used to say i'm gonna tap in in. right right i'm gonna tap in with you and have you guys pull up once again another validation that the efforts of pulling up on people and imparting um our two cents on their creative process was was being recognized because he understood you know he was going he was working towards being nominated for a Grammy in that moment, right? He was part of that that process and still wanted us to come pull up on him and hear the music and give him the feedback and, and things like that. Um, and so he really appreciated his support, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. You know, he understood who supported him, mm-hmm. that it was real support, and he wanted to, you know, recognize it and validate it and appreciate the support and so many artists they get to a level of success or whatever and they forget about everybody that contributed all that right, you know what I'm saying right. they're just it's all about them and I get it you know the the the, the self absorption of being a star he was not that guy he's like no 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 this is everything um my last thing that I you know I'll well two things I want to you know finish with one um I need to shout out Sade Jenkins, who's a good friend of, of us. She checked on us as far as our mental health. Yeah, you know that's important. That's very important. Um, also, I got to send my love to Brittany Bell. Um, 
Nipsey's publicist at Atlantic Records. She got there a week after he signed his after he announced his partnership with Atlantic, and that was her first, you know, um, project yeah. project and whatnot. And I had many conversations with her about, hey, this is very important. This is important to the city. Don't fuck this up. And and let me know <laughs> how I or anyone else can help with anything. Right, right. Because this is important to the city. Nipsey didn't even realize some of those conversations I was, because it's like, this has to work for the city. Like, yeah. the city needs, needs, this needs, we need this win. And she became more than just his publicist, you know, his little sister. She's as much, you know, all money in as anybody else. And uh, she's heartbroken, like we all are, yeah. but even more so. And so I wanna, you know, send my love out to her. Um, the last thing I wanna say about Nipsey is this we saw, like you said, this journey and the ascension. It was, it was a, <clears throat> it was a steady ascension, but it had its challenges. And he dropped, you know, successful project one after another after another and was telling us that he had an album called Victory Lap coming. He had been telling us for that for years and worked on Victory Lap for the better part of three years. He delivered Victory Lap. It was an absolute success. And we all celebrated with him. And for that to be his final album... You know, as heartbreaking as it is that we're not going to get any more, you know, Nipsey Hussle music that he intended to give us, we celebrate with him the victory lap. Mm -hmm. We were there from the beginning, and we were there to cheer him on in his victory lap. And we need to take a moment and understand that the city, I don't care about anywhere else, we were there for him. Yeah. At all times. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, we, we got to... We, we literally gave this man his roses while he was still alive. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Us as a city. I can't talk, talk about anywhere else. Yeah. But we were there always talking about, that's dope, he's doing, you're great. And we would tell him to his face, yeah. to right. his face, man, we really appreciate what you're doing. So the city represented with him and, and championed the victory lap with him. As he was making his victory lap, we were right there. You know, yeah. rah rah, boom bam, him the whole entire yeah. time, and and I think we should have, we should take comfort in that. Yeah. yeah. So you know, that's the last thing I want to say about Nipsey. I like how one of your uh, memories included with him shirt being off. So yeah, that was. Yeah. Well, if you know, I'm, I'm fucking, I'm fucking, always had his shirt. No, I mean his shirt was off. <laughs> it's like, yo, just, why do we need a shirt off? Right. Three <laughs> All right, here, man, go go on to get a people. Uh, you know, your memory of Nipsey. All right, so it's a couple of things. Um, one, anybody who know Nip personally know how he talk and know how he texts. Yeah, like you, you got the the voice down and everything. It wouldn't be Y yeah, it would be Y A P. Yeah, yeah. But what's crazy? He's so good at his voice. <laughs> what's crazy is what people don't know is like he act like him. I look at him and Khaled the same way. They actually are two people that I know who text exactly like they talk. If that makes sense, like I know I text. Sometimes I'll I'll say some I, I curse a lot in person, but I don't curse a lot in text. Mm. Nip talked exactly like he texts. So I remember one morning he'd be up early as fuck for whatever reason. Like I don't know where he got that work ethic from, but he would just be up early, probably because he got kids. That might be a, but it was like one morning I I have insomnia, so like I was just up and I seen him posting. And so I just checked in. I was like, yo, what's up, bro? Like, you know, you good? He's like, top of the top. Mm. <laughs> top of the top. Top of the top. Yeah. What's up, head? Like, hit me right back. And I'm just like, damn, this motherfucker's a machine. I just seen him last night promoting like he was out yeah. until 2 in the morning. And so that that's always stuck with me. It made me realize that my work ethic is validated in the sense how hard I go. Because, you know seeing somebody who's as successful as he is, I need to go harder. That's how I always looked at it. Um, 
one of the other things that stood out to me was um when when victory lap was coming out this is fast forward i'm gonna go back in a second when victory lap was coming out uh i remember trying to like really advocate for nip within the building like like bro nipsey is our guy he's our guy like i know kendrick is our guy nipsey's our other guy yeah. like we got two guys <laughs> you know what i'm saying and i was trying to and you know doc from the east coast you know our bosses they from they not from here so i was trying to explain to them the significance what of who nip city, yeah. of who nip is what he means to the city what he means to the culture what he's doing for the community and so when when and i knew how important victory lab like Silas was saying we were all conspiring behind the scenes to make sure victory lab was a success like everybody was doing their part. And so I told I told Nip, like, hey, look, I'm finished how you pull up. Just pull up, bro. He's like, You sure? I'm like, Yeah. So he literally by himself, I mean, nobody was with him, literally. Came in by himself, straight from the gym. He's like, he had his workout clothes, you was here. Yeah. And came straight in and I said, Look, I just took him to Doc's off. I said, Look, bro. Fuck the music. Just tell him everything. <laughs> Go. <laughs> just tell him everything, bro. And, and 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 he and Nip being the the wizard he is broke down the whole shit. We we got the Palladium for All Star Weekend. We got billboards all over the city. We doing this. It's gonna look crazy. Like he painted the whole picture, and then and then that's what got Doc on board. Like you know what? I'm fucking with you. Got a record? Yeah. Head forced me to make a record that DJs could play <laughs> because. Like like Salas was talking about all them studio sessions of me pulling up and I'm on his head like. Bro, I I understand what you do. Nip is like like Dad was saying. Nip is an acquired taste. He makes luxury rap. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not for everybody. It's luxury rap. It's boutique rap. That's why everything about Nip was so special because it's boutique. You can't get it everywhere. It's not available at Walmart. You know what I'm saying? So he had he had the record with YG, and he was like, you know, this is the single. This is what we doing. I got this rap nigga shit, and so all that just to see me being able to support him at my job yeah you know what i'm saying where in the way i wanted to it was like that was that was special for me because nip and you know when i had i got the west coast shit like i was like me i want to give you something for you and lauren like he was like oh yeah yeah so then we when when i walked him out to the car he walked to my truck mm -hmm. and we and we dapped it up and he was like you know i appreciate you like he, he shook my hand and he, he held my hand he was like like he looked he was like i appreciate you head like on some real shit i was like man like i appreciate you like you know i appreciate it and that that moment was special to me just because it was like it was like all like all it, it seemed like the whole it seemed like the, it made the fight worth it yeah like the fight the fight was worth it like the, all this time so to backtrack a little bit um the the last uh last two things is one is I remember going to the studio and this is like when I'm on his when I'm I'm pressing Nip. Like now at this point I'm pressing Nip. I said, Nip, your brand, you got the biggest brand in the city, damn near in, on the on the West Coast, with no hit records. No no national smash. I said, I need you to just give me one, bro. Just give me one, bro. And I and we talked literally for three hours that day. We talked. And I was telling him about himself. You're this, you're that, you're you amazing, you this, but you need to allow people to see that. You have to let them see your greatness. You know what I'm saying? And the only, and sometimes the only way people pay attention is through that avenue, through the records. I say you have to give people something that they that they can hold on to. And and I and I and I told him, I said up to this point, you haven't executed that, bro. 
Like you haven't done that. You haven't given the the nation, the world, a record that they can all rally behind at one time. And he he lit his blunt. <laughs> he lit his blunt, and he was like, "For sure, hey, like I I feel you, right?" And so fast forward, I'm leaving the studio. We, me and Silas, were leaving the studio, and he pulled me aside. He said, "He said, hey, head, you want to know some crazy shit?" He was like, "He was like, I fuck with you, my nigga. Like, you know what I'm saying, like." Cause we was pulling up to the studio when nobody was around. Yeah. Nobody, this, nobody was around. Nobody even knew where he was recording. Nobody was around Nip. Kind of, pe- I don't want to say people abandoned Nip, but it was it was a real solid solitude type of state that he was in. It was Nipsey, Mars, Mike and Keys, pretty much. That's it. And me and Silas at the studio. And it's just like, it was no like, it wasn't a whole bunch of people around. And so when we were leaving, he pulled me aside and he was like, he was like, I fuck with you, my nigga. He was like, he said, and he lit, he took a hit of his blunt. He said, I ain't going to lie, my nigga, you be saying some wild shit. <laughs> he was like, everybody who know you, he was like, you be saying some crazy shit to niggas. He was like, he's like, but people fuck with you because your intentions are pure. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that's why I fuck with you. He got it. He understood. He always it. got it. And I was like, damn, that shit like meant a lot to me because it was like, I just... You know, I kind of just went laid into him a little bit. Like, I need you to like, I need you to go harder. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so that that was like a big thing to me. And the last thing that that meant that meant a lot to me is when Victory Lab came out. And you know, I'm just listening to Victory Lab as a fan. Like, I'm like, finally, this shit is. I, I had already heard a couple of versions. They went in. Like, Nip was never done with the album officially. Mm-hmm. He kind of just probably like, all right, we'll turn this version in. Mm-hmm. And so when he turned it in, I'm listening to the album as a fan, and it was just like amazing to me to hear that. My right, the, like right hand to God is like the perfect song to end the album. And so I'm looking through the, I'm looking through the, the the book at the at the studio one day. And I see my name in the book. Crazy. And it said, it said, thank you. It said, DJ Head banging the coast like it's 96, LOL. Mm. I never forget that shit. Wow. Mm. I was like, fuck, that's crazy. Like, that shit, that shit meant a lot to me because I was like, damn. Like, because you, the stuff I do, I don't get a lot of recognition for and like a lot of behind the scenes shit. But it was like, damn, like that conversation we had. And then him putting like him thanking me on his album for the world to see. That shit like that shit meant a lot to me. So yeah. And the fact that he didn't even give you a heads up like yo he check the check the back of the album or anything like that. He didn't that. even tell me. Wow. Yeah. He just he just did it because that's that's who Nip is. Yeah. He just do it yeah. and he don't he don't ask for nothing. He don't ever he he it, that's just who Nip is. I just that shit meant a lot to me. I appreciated that shit. Yeah, man. And, and I, I definitely want to end off on on that note too, man. When I started we started doing a dad vice he was one of the first people that i asked it wasn't even called dad vice at the time it was just yo i was like yo we were, you were talking about being a father and i was like oh shit you're, i'm about to be a dad i need some advice and he just laid some shit out he was like bro i ain't got i ain't got nothing good for you bro. i can't i'm not gonna make no shit up but x y and z and then later when he came to the station three weeks ago i was like yo you know you were the one to kind of help kick this shit off like when we asked he was like for real he was like yeah man that shit cuts through to like anybody that's relatable he's like fuck the rap shit fuck we, mm-hmm. you know we fathers we men and and i just i just appreciate that because that allowed me to continue that and really and, and to be able to tell him that and him receive yeah. that information like you said we we gave him his roses while we were, while he was here yeah um he's definitely going to be missed um prayers out to his family first and foremost um business associates 
friends, everybody, man. But there was there was not one person that wasn't affected by Nipsey Hussle. And I appreciate all of you for just pulling up and just just talking. Like I said, we don't have any any answers. That we don't mm-hmm. have anything. It's just it's just to be able to to get this off. I, for me personally, it's it's been helpful because it, this this has been a rough ass week. But uh, we love you, Nipsey. Uh, we appreciate you. And for the folks that have supported him, we'll continue to support him. And the marathon will continue without a doubt uh, because it lives within all of us, man. So, Debbie, I appreciate you. Salas, I appreciate you. Head, you know, I appreciate you as well. And I think it's only right that we end this episode off um, with our closing remarks when we had Nipsey Hussle in here on Homegrown Radio. You know. Dude, man, we, we appreciate you taking your time. I know you got a lot of shit to do. Victory now we family, man. Y'all know this. This not just because it sounds good to say that on air. You know, we we this ain't no no work. We just chopping it. You know what I'm saying? It's love. Thank you, bro. <clears throat> Nip hustle. Yeah, victory lap, man. Go grab that pre-sale order. Get the single. It's out. ASAP. That's right, man. Homegrown radio. Chuck Dizzle. DJ yeah. Head. West Coast. Yeah.